manifest myself right on the path you are treading, but you still look at me as if I were a stranger. You cannot see the connection between us in our former lives. You cannot remember the old vow you made. You have not recognized me because your mind is caught up in images concerning a distant future. In former lifetimes, you have often taken my hand and we have enjoyed walking together. We have sat together for a long time at the foot of old pine trees. We have stood side by side in silence for hours, listening to the sound of the wind softly calling us and looking up at the white clouds floating by. You have picked up and given to me the first red autumn leaf, and I have taken you through forests deep in snow. But wherever we go, we always return to our ancient mountain to be near to the moon and stars, to invite the big bell every morning to sound and help living beings to wake up. We have sat quietly on the Antu mountain with the great bamboo forest master. Alongside the frangipani trees in blossom, we have taken boats out to sea to rescue the boat people as they drift. We have helped Master Van Han design the Tanglong capital. We have built together a thatched hermitage and stretched out the net to rescue the nun Trapjian when the sound of the rising tide was deafening on the banks of the Tindung River. Together we have opened the way and stepped into the immense space beyond space after many years of working to tear asunder the net of time. We have saved up the light of shooting stars and made it a torch to help those who want to go home after decades of wandering in distant places. But still there have been times when the seeds of a vagabond in you have come back to life. You have left your teacher, your brothers and sisters. Alone you go. I look at you with compassion although I know that this is not a true separation because I am already in each cell of your body and that you may need once more to play the prodigal son. That is why I promise I shall be there for you anytime you are in danger. Sometimes you have lain unconscious on the hot sands of frontier deserts. I have manifested myself as a cloud to bring you cool shade. Late at night, the cloud became dew and the compassionate nectar falls drop by drop.
for you to drink. Sometimes you sit in a deep abyss of darkness, completely alienated from your true home. I have manifested myself as a long ladder and lightly thrown myself down so that you can climb up to the area where there is light to discover again the blue of the sky and the sounds of the brook and the birds. Sometimes I recognized you in Birmingham, in the Dolin district, or in New England. I have sometimes met you in Hangzhou, Xiamen, or Shanghai. I have sometimes found you in St. Petersburg, or East Berlin. Sometimes, though only five years old, I have seen you and recognized you because of the seed of bodhicitta you carry in your tender heart. Wherever I have seen you, I have always raised my hand and made a signal to you, whether it be in Baknin, Saigon, or the Tun An Seaport. Sometimes you were the golden full moon hanging over the summit of the Kimshan Mountain, or the little bird flying over the Dailao Forest during a winter night. Often I have seen you, but you have not seen me. Though while walking in the evening mist, your clothes have been soaked, but finally you have always come home. You have come home and sat at my feet on our ancient mountain, listening to the birds calling and the monkeys screeching and the mountain chanting, echoing from the Buddha Hall. You have come back to me, determined not to be a vagabond any longer, this morning, the birds of the morning joyfully welcome the bright sun. Do you know, my child, that the white clouds are still floating in the vault of the sky? Where are you now? The ancient mountain is still there in this place of the present moment. Although the white crested wave still wants to go in the other direction. Look again. You will see me in you and in every leaf and flower bud. If you call my name, you will see me right away. Where are you going? The old frangipani tree offers its fragrant flowers this morning. You and I have never really been apart. Spring has come. The pines have put out new shining green needles, and on the edge of the forest, the wild plum trees have burst into flower. Bài này thầy đã làm ở bên bên Mỹ trong chuyến đi phòng pháp vừa qua đọc lại tầng quý sư bà quý thượng tòa việt nam mới qua bên mé rừng 
đã nở rộ hoa mai có sư bà này bắt đó. thầy đi tìm con từ lúc non sông còn tăm tối thầy đi tìm con khi mọi loài còn chờ đợi ánh dương lên thầy đi tìm con khi con còn đắm chìm trong một giấc ngủ triền miên dù tiếng tù và đã vọng lên từng hồi dục dã không rời non xưa thầy đưa mắt về phương trời lạ và nhận ra được trên vạn nẻo đường từng dấu chân của con con đi đâu có khi sương mù đã về giăng mắt trốn cô thôn mà trên bước phiêu linh con vẫn còn miệt mài nơi viễn xứ thầy đã gọi tên con trong từng hơi thở tin rằng dù con đang lạc loài đi về bên nớ con cũng sẽ cuối cùng tìm ra được lối trở về bên ni có khi thầy xuất hiện ngay giữa đường con đi nhưng mắt con vẫn nhìn thầy như nhìn một người xa lạ không thấy được mối túc duyên không nhớ được lời nguyền xưa vàng đá con đã không nhận ra được thầy vì tâm con còn vướng bận những hình bóng xa xôi trong kiếp xưa có khi con đã từng nhiều lần nắm tay thầy rong chơi thầy trò ta đã ngồi thật lâu cạnh những gốc thông già trăm tuổi đã từng đứng yên cùng lắng nghe tiếng gió thì thào mời gọi và ngắm nhìn những cụm mây trắng bay con đã từng nhặt đưa thầy những chiếc lá ngô đồng đầu thu đỏ thắm thầy đã từng đưa con vượt qua những khu rừng tuyết phủ giá băng nhưng đi đâu thầy trò ta cũng luôn luôn trở về nơi non xưa chốn cổ để được gần gũi sao trăng để được mỗi khuya giống tiếng chuông đại hồng cho mọi loài tỉnh thức thầy trò ta đã từng ngồi trên yên tử sơn cùng đại sĩ trúc lâm bên những cây đại già nở hoa thơm ngát đã từng đưa tàu ra khơi cứu người thuyền nhân phiêu dạt đã từng giúp thiền sư vạn hạnh thiết kế thành thăng long đã từng cùng nhau đánh tranh dựng chiếc thảo am bên sông và răng lưới vớt trạc tuyền khi tiền đường đang đùng đùng dậy sóng thầy trò ta đã mở lối bước lên trời ngoại phương lồng lộng sau bao tháng ngày công phu chọc thủng lưới thời gian đã từng cất giữ được ánh sáng của những vì sao băng làm đuốc soi đường cho những ai muốn trở về sau những tháng ngày rong ruổi nhưng cũng có khi hạt giống lãng tử trong con bừng sống dậy con đã rời bỏ thầy rời bỏ huynh đệ một mình thất thểu ra đi thầy nhìn con xót thương tuy biết rằng đây không thực sự là một cuộc phân kỳ bởi vì con đang có thầy nơi từng tế bào trong cơ thể biết con còn phải thêm một lần đóng vai người cùng tử nên thầy đã nguyện sẽ có mặt đó cho con mỗi lần con gặp bước gian nguy 
Có khi con nằm thiếp đi trên cát nóng sa mạc chốn biên thùy Thầy đã hóa thân làm đám bạch vân đem cho con bóng mát Đến giữa khuya đám mây đọng lại thành xương Cam lộ rơi từng hạt để con uống lấy trong cơn mê Có khi con ngồi dưới vực sâu tâm tối hoàn toàn cách biệt trời quê Thầy đã hóa thân thành chiếc thang dài và nhẹ nhàng bắt xuống Cho con leo lên vùng chan hòa ánh sáng Để tìm lại được màu trời xanh và tiếng suối, tiếng chim Có lúc thầy nhận ra được con ở Birmingham, ở quận Gio Linh hay miền Tân Anh Cát Lợi Có lúc thầy gặp con ở Hàng Châu, Hạ Môn hay Thượng Hải Có khi thầy tìm được con ở Saint Petersburg hoặc ở Tây Bá Linh Có khi mới lên năm mà thấy con Thầy cũng nhận được chân hình, thấy được hạt giống bồ đề nơi con mang trong trái tim còn niên thiếu Thấy con, thầy đã luôn luôn đưa tay lên làm dấu hiệu dù nơi gặp con là ở miền Kinh Bắc, vùng Bến Nghé hay cửa biển Thuận An Có khi con là trái trăng vàng ửng chín lơ lửng treo trên đỉnh Kim Sơn Hay là con chim con chim chiếc kêu đêm đông bay qua rừng Đại Lão Rất nhiều khi thầy thấy được con nhưng con không thấy được thầy Dù trên nẻo con đi sương chiều đã thấm vào ướt áo Vậy mà cuối cùng con cũng đã trở về con trở về ngồi dưới chân thầy nơi chốn non xưa để rồi tiếng chim kêu vượn hú lại cùng hòa với tiếng công phu sớm trưa con đã về bên thầy thật sự muốn chấm dứt cuộc đời lãng tử sáng nay chim chóc ca mừng vừng ô lên rạng rỡ con có hay trên bầu xanh mây trắng vẫn còn bay con ở đâu cảnh núi xưa còn đỏ nơi hiện pháp chốn này dù đợt sóng bạc đầu vẫn còn đang muốn vươn mình đi về phương lạ Nhìn lại đi, thầy đang ở trong con Và trong từng nụ hoa, chiếc lá Nếu gọi tên thầy, con sẽ tự khắc thấy thầy ngay Con đi đâu? Cái mộc già đã nở hoa thơm nức sáng nay Thầy trò ta thật chưa bao giờ từng cách biệt Xuân đã về, các cội thông đã ra chồi ống biếc Và bên mé rừng đã nở rộ hoa mai Bài này sẽ được đăng trong lá thư lần mai sắp tới Bằng tiếng Việt
The Sangha today is the 23rd of January 2000. We are in the upper hamlet for our, uh, in our winter retreat. Yesterday I got uh, the photocopy of uh, a small article in a magazine concerning uh, how, how the geese uh, fly south. I will read it to you in English. In autumn, when you see geese heading south uh, for the winter, flying along in formation, you might consider what science has discovered as to why they fly that way. As each bird flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. The whole flock adds at least 71% greater flying range than if each bird flew on its own. People who have a common direction and sense of community can get where they are going more easily if they are traveling on the trust of one another. When a goose falls out of formation, it feels the drag and resistance of trying to go it alone and quickly gets back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird in the front. When the head goose gets tired, it rotates back in the wing and another goose flies point. It makes sense to take turns doing demanding jobs. Geese in the rear honk to encourage those front to keep up with their speech, uh, with their speed, their speed. What messages do we hung from behind? When a goose gets sick or is wounded by gunshot and falls out of formation, two other geese fall out with the goose and follow it down to lend help and protection. They stay with the fallen goose until it is able to fly or until it dies. Only then do they launch out on their own or with another formation to catch up with their group. If we have the sense of a goose, we will stand by each other like that also. So we know that uh, wisdom, uh, insight, consciousness, experience are there uh, in, the, uh, in the vegetables, in the animals, and if we uh, we 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 uh, keep ourselves open, we will learn a lot. The geese know how to live in uh, sangha, and they know that uh, together then they can fly fly much better. It is said here that science has discovered that if they fly together in that way, they will get at least seventy-one percent more. Uh, strength and um, effectiveness than if they fly alone. That's the minimum 71% more. And when you fly alone, you feel you feel that you don't profit from uh, the strength uh, of uh, of uh, uh, the flock, of uh, the formation.
and we have said uh, again and again that there are things that uh, alone we cannot do, but when we come with the Sangha and do it together with the Sangha, we can find it easy to do. Sometimes you, are, you want to do it in your living room, sitting, uh, total relaxation, uh, mindful uh, meal, but you are alone. You like to do it, but you don't do it as uh, well as you do it in the Sangha. And very often you abandon uh, your practice after a few times uh, trying. And that is why to be with the Sangha is to get that kind of uplift, that kind of support that you need. Because you can behave like a bird, you can behave like uh, a goose. And it is said that here that uh, you get at least 71% uh, more uh, of the strength uh, in order to, to do it than when you are alone. Of course, we can enjoy a cup of tea alone. We can enjoy. We can very well enjoy um, eating our lunch alone in mindfulness. And many of us are capable of doing so. But uh, uh, many of us would not. Uh, uh, would not be able to do it uh, without uh, the support of a Sangha. That is why uh, in Plum Village we learn how to walk together every day, how to sit together uh, every day, and how to eat together uh, every day. And uh, by uh, sitting, by walking, and by uh, eating in that way, we contribute to the Sangha. We contribute our strength uh, 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 our energy to the Sangha. You can very well say that, well, I can practice walking alone. I can very well practice uh, walking alone. Of course you can. But if you show up in the walking meditation with the Sangha, not only you can walk, but you can offer your presence. You can offer uh, your uh, energy, your strength to the Sangha. You don't deprive the Sangha of your support, of your presence. And that is the, the point. Uh, sitting there and eat with the Sangha. The quality of eating might increase because everyone is uh, trying to eat uh, with joy, establishing himself or herself in the here and the now, enjoying the food, enjoying the sangha, enjoying the opportunity to do nothing except eating. 
enjoy and concentrating ourselves only on the food and on the sangha and not on other things, not to be drawn drown in the past, in the future, in our worries. So if you sit there with the sangha, even if you are a little sick, a little bit sick, uh, you you are making a good contribution to the sangha. Uh, you are a bird. You are a good bird because you want, you know how to fly information with other birds. You don't provide, you don't uh, deprive um, your sangha uh, of uh, your support, of your energy, of your strength. It's very important. The other day, they said that uh, even if uh, your quality of sitting is not uh, good enough, uh, but uh, if you are able to be there, to be seated uh, with the Sangha, that is good enough. To be, to be physically present, to sit there, to allow uh, yourself to be in the Sangha, and to allow yourself to be whole by the Sangha. And then the, the Sangha energy will carry you along. Uh, you are giving and you are receiving at the same time. Suppose you, you hear that the Buddha is there, available for walking meditation, for sitting meditation with you. You would like to buy a ticket to come and to do walking with the Buddha, to do sitting with the Buddha. It's nice to be walking with the Buddha. It's nice to be sitting with the Buddha. Suppose uh, the New York, New York Times announced that uh, next Friday the Buddha will be leading a walking meditation in, uh, at the foot of the Gridakuta mountain. And you are welcome to join him in walking meditation. I think many of us would like to, 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 to book a flight to go to India in order to be able to, to walk with the Buddha and to climb on the mountain, Vridakuta, mountain with the Buddha, and to sit with the Buddha. And together we will, uh, with the Buddha, we contemplate the beautiful sunset. Have you been on the Vridakuta mountain, contemplating the beautiful sunset? It's wonderful. Imagine the Buddha is there, sitting, and enjoying the sunset with you. How nice. But I don't think that many of us can sit on a mountain together with the Buddha. I have been there, I think, uh, a few hundreds. But if the New York Times announces uh, the news, and then there may be many, many thousands of us would like to come and to, to, to gather at the foot of the Ridakuta Mountains in order to, uh, to be walking with the Buddha and uh, to climb on the top of the mountain in order to sit with the Buddha contemplating the beautiful sunset. If you are lucky to, 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 to have been able to book, to have a seat 
on the flight because the uh, airline will be very busy. And uh, you said that I go, I go to India. I go and walk with the Buddha and sit with Buddha. And you would like to bring along a few things. I think you may like to bring your camera. Because you would like very much to have a picture taken with the Buddha. Here is me. This is me. This is the Buddha. <laughs> and maybe that is uh, the thing you want the most and not, not, not walking with the Buddha. You want to show your friend that you have been with the Buddha. You have, you, have, you have walked with the Buddha, sit with the Buddha, and here is the proof. And that is why you cannot afford not to bring your camera or your video uh, camcorder. Let us push our imagination a little bit further. When you arrive, and you found that it's impossible for you to approach the Buddha. So many people. So many people. And the Buddha was surrounded by a number of monks. It's difficult for you to get in. And you think of the monks as uh, an obstacle. They don't allow you to approach the Buddha. They ask, uh, you have an appointment or not? <laughs> and then, no, I don't have. In that case, uh, it's very difficult to, uh, to have a talk with the Buddha, to get close to him. And you'll be frustrated. And instead of having a lot of joy, you will suffer a lot from your anger, your frustration, and so on. I have climbed the Gridakuta mountain with a number of friends, together with a policeman. Policeman. We we did it in a very early morning, we, we, because we wanted to be there on the top of the mountain when the sun is rising. But it's uh, not very safe to go up. Uh, without uh, any protection, because we learned that there are uh, uh, pirates uh, who, who would, who would uh, stop you and rob you of your money and things like that. That is why, uh, on the recommendation of our friend, we, we hire a policeman. It's funny, the policeman has no gun. He has only a stick like this. And we feel very safe, because he recognizes everyone in the area. <laughs> if anyone show up and then he you and then and then we are safe. So we climbed with the policeman. The policeman did not uh, climb the way we did, but he enjoyed some uh, some uh, reward. And uh, we knew that the path leading to the to the top of the mountain, <coughs> that path was helped built by Bimbisara. A friend of the Buddha. Before that, uh, climbing is more difficult. But uh, the king had uh, sub, uh, uh, supported uh, the building of the path, uh, so that the Buddha and his uh, monks can climb up and down uh, with ease. 
and uh, the king also uh, he used to come and visit the Buddha and he himself uh, uh, left uh, uh, his uh, chariot uh, down on the foot of the mountain and he climbed and we were aware of that we knew that these steps had been uh, uh, had a bear born the born the footsteps of the Buddha we were very aware mindfulness was there so we enjoy every step we made we climb very slowly and each uh, 20 steps or 30 steps we pause and sit down and look down it's very beautiful even it's uh, still in the dark it's not enough light and uh, the feeling that I had and my friends is that we were climbing the mountain with the Buddha the Buddha was very real and we don't need to take a picture because it is a real thing it's not just to show people that you and when we come up and climb to the place where uh, where uh, uh, the foundation of the heart of Buddha was there uh, what we what we did is only to sit down to climb like that is only to sit down it's like we sit in meditation together each morning just sit down what else what is the better thing to do it's nice to sit down and to be yourself and to enjoy And then if you sit well, you see that you are sitting with the Buddha, you are sitting for the Buddha, and you are the Buddha. And you don't need uh, taking a picture, because your view, your insight is very deep. You don't need, you don't need something superficial like a camera, a tape recorder, and so on. And sitting, what is the purpose of sitting? First of all, it is, the, it is for pleasure. If you have booked a flight to go, that is for the pleasure of walking with the Buddha. If you have booked a flight to go to India, it's the pleasure of sitting with the Buddha. And not for taking a picture, right? And therefore, uh, the essential is to enjoy the walking and the sitting. And if you really enjoy the walking and the sitting, the Buddha is always with you. Whether you go to India and you just, or you just stay here. I have gone to India. I have climbed the mountain several times. Enjoyed. But every time I climb into an airplane, every time I go walking meditation around in the upper hamlet or the lower hamlet, I enjoy just the sitting. It's not because it is the Gugida Kuta mountain that I enjoy it more. Because if you are yourself, if you know how to enjoy walking and uh, climbing and sitting, then everywhere is a Gugida Kuta mountain. And the, the Buddha is available to you in every minute, every second. You don't need to, the authorization of the assistant of the Buddha. You don't need him. You don't need them. 
because the Buddha is available and you can be with the Buddha, sit with the Buddha, walk with the Buddha at any time uh, you want. And that is why we can say that uh, there is no way to the Buddha. The Buddha is the way. The Buddha is the way. We have to discover the Buddha as a way and not a, a physical body. And that is uh, the essential of the practice. After you have uh, come to the meditation hall and sit down, you might ask the question of what uh, I am I to do? What is the purpose of coming here into the meditation hall and sit? And you are concerned about the quality of your sitting. Sitting in order to become a Buddha. Sitting in order to work out your difficulties. Sitting in order to have uh, the kind of uh, views and insight that can liberate you from your suffering, your jealousy, your anger. Of course, uh, sitting can help you doing these things. But sitting, first of all, is just to enjoy sitting. And that is uh, the fundamental thing. Sitting meditation is first of all to enjoy sitting. The other day I talked about Nelson Mandela. He visited France and he declared to the press that what he wanted to do the most is just to sit down and doing nothing. The intention is clear. We understand him because many of us have been busy in that way, not only in this life but uh, in our past lives. We may have achieved a lot of things. We, have, we might have conquered the, uh, the world. We might have succeeded in our uh, business in getting fame, profit, and things like that. But the question is that whether we have truly lived our life and what is the meaning of uh, life? To live deeply each moment, to enjoy the wonders of life in, the, in each moment. There are moments when you sit, there are moments when you walk, there are moments when you uh, uh, contemplate uh, nature, the sky, the trees, listen to the birds. There are moments when you uh, drink, uh, a cup of tea. There is a moment when you share the meal with uh, the Sangha, with your beloved ones. There are moments like that. The question is whether in these moments you are truly yourself and you enjoy deeply these moments. Namely, have you really lived your life? We always try to to, to strive to uh, to, to achieve things. Getting a diploma, we have got it. 
spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of night and day in order to get the diploma. We have got it. Congratulations. But that's not life. But that's not life yet. Your brother handed to you an orange. And you will uh, share the orange with another brother. Okay. So one orange, uh, two brothers. And now you sit there and you peel the orange, you divide it in two, and both of you uh, have a chance to to eat your half orange in peace, in happiness, in joy. And that is your practice. You peel the orange in such a way that you are really there for your Sangha, that you can touch the wonders of life in you, and you can touch the orange also as uh, a wonder of life. Because if you look deeply into the orange, Suppose this is an orange. And if you are truly present, if you are a free person, that, that means that if you are not absorbed in your thinking, your worries, your projects, by the past, by the future, you are truly in the here and the now. And you can see that the orange is nothing less than a miracle. The whole cosmos have come together and helped make manifest that wonder we call orange. The sunshine, the rain, the great earth, and many, many, more, many, many more elements have come together to produce that wonderful thing you call orange. That is a wonder of life, a real wonder of life. Are you there, really, in order to, to enter into real... Uh, contact with the orange. If you are not a free person, if you are not alive, if you are not present, how can you touch the miracle of the orange? So your brother handed to you one orange. You are to share it with your brother, another brother. And a lot of joy can be resulted from, from that moment. You may have five or 10 or 15 minutes just sitting there and sharing the orange. The whole thing is in there. The way you sit with your brother, the way you share the orange with your brother, the share you enjoy the orange in the Sangha. And if you know how to, 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 to live deeply that moment, that is true practice. And if you can do that, the afflictions, the pain, the sorrow will begin to diminish in you. You don't have to directly deal with the suffering, the pain, the sorrow. If you know how to eat an orange, if you know how to sit there with your Sangha, to sit there with the Buddha, to walk with the Buddha, to climb with the Buddha, and so on. We have a very superficial way of living our life. And in a meditation center, we learn to do it differently. We learn to truly live to enjoy every moment of our daily life. 
because each moment of our life is a gift. A 21, 24-hour uh, day is a, truly a gift. And if we are not, uh, if we are not uh, um, careful, we will spoil it. We are giving the equal sense. Every morning we wake up at 5 o'clock. And we know that 24 brand new hours are offered to us by life, by nature, by parents, by teachers. How wonderful to have 24 hours to live. We have to be a real artist in order to handle these 24 hours in such a way that uh, the 24 hours will be filled with uh, miracles, with wonders of life. Really, you need to be an artist in order to do so. And the Buddha helped us to become that artist. You can rely on, uh, you, can, uh, you can profit from the experiences of other artists, other practitioners in your Sangha. Because you are, you are given the same kind of, uh, of opportunity. And we, we can greatly profit from the 24 hours that are given to us. Uh, the moment when you brush your teeth, uh, uh, drink a cup of uh, hot water, and put, uh, uh, put uh, an overcoat on your shoulder, these things can be, can be already joy, peace, happiness. We have learned how to brush our teeth to brush our teeth in such a way that happiness be possible during the time of uh, toothbrushing. That is possible. And this is to be cultivated. If you don't know how to enjoy brushing your teeth, and you have to learn, and many of us uh, don't, don't, don't live during the time we brush our teeth. But to have teeth in order to brush is a wonder. Because uh, one day you will lose all your teeth. And even if you have the intention to brush, there's no teeth for you left to brush. So now you still have a teeth, you have a brush, you have a dental uh, dentifrice. Uh, and why don't you allow yourself two minutes or three for the pleasure, pleasure of uh, tooth, teeth, uh, tooth brushing. In the last uh, many months, they have talked a lot about uh, uh, brushing your teeth. And if you are capable of enjoying deeply the two or three minutes of uh, tooth brushing, and then you'll be able to enjoy uh, holding the cup of hot water, hot, hot tea to drink before you put on your clothes and go to the meditation hall. Every moment we have to learn because every moment is a part of the 24-hour day. 
and walking from your hut, from your room to the meditation hall, uh, it can be very pleasant. There are times when it rained, there was um, wind, but there are times when the moon was shining brightly, and your happiness can be very deep. Every step you make uh, can bring you a lot of happiness. The fragrance of the night, the pure air in the morning, all these things you can profit if you are really a true, a, a truly uh, free person. So you already have begun your practice. You don't need to arrive in a meditation hall in order to practice meditation. The meditation hall is in your bathroom. And even if you go uh, to the toilet room, urinating, defecating, uh, uh, you are supposed to practice uh, uh, meditation also. Our teacher said that uh, that is uh, the practice of Buddhism, going to the toilet room, defecating and urinating. With mindfulness, these things can become very pleasant also. And allow yourself the time to enjoy these things. And it's wonderful to have uh, a place to practice. Because in many countries, uh, that is not available. In my root temple, the time I was a novice, there is no toilet room. There is no electricity. There is no running water. There is not no hot water. And as a novice, uh, we, uh, we had to, to cook for 80 monks, 100 monks. And we only had cold water. We had to boil to, to warm water. We had to use, uh, we did not have soap either. We, we had to use uh, ash in order to, to. And there was a lot of joy. I can say that uh, uh, the three years of being a novice uh, are, are very, uh, are a wonderful uh, uh, three years uh, for me. was so happy. Not because uh, we didn't have uh, running water and electricity that we, we, we suffered, no. We didn't suffer at all because of these things. The upper hamlet uh, did not have electricity for a few days. But we did not have uh, the electricity for all our novice life. <laughs> and yet, uh, it's wonderful to live as a novice among other novices and practicing like that. And as a novice, you have to practice uh, uh, sweeping, uh, the do- uh, cleaning, uh, uh, cooking, uh, washing, chopping the wood, carrying the water, and so on. There's no, there was no running water. That is why I had to go down with buckets uh, and we fetch the water from the well in the, in, in, in the root temple. And we did not complain because uh, we learned how to get the joy in doing these things. Everything is the practice. The meditation hall is only one of the places where you practice. The kitchen is also a practice place. The toilet room is a practice place. The garden, the vegetable garden is a practice place. 
That is why our, the art, the art that we cultivate is to be, to be, be free in this, each moment in order to enjoy deeply the time when we dig the soil, when we plant uh, the, lot, the, the vegetables, when you water the flowers, when you uh, brush your teeth, and you take time to do it. And uh, the talent of a Sangha is uh, how to arrange so that we can profit, we can enjoy uh, everything you do as an act of meditation. And therefore, when you arrive uh, in the meditation hall, you bow to the altar. It's not because, uh, because uh, uh, only in the meditation hall the Buddha uh, is present. The Buddha is present everywhere. In the kitchen also, in the toilet room also, because mindfulness is there. But uh, when you bow to the Buddha, you bow to the best thing within yourself. And you know the Buddha on the altar is only made of copper or clay, but the Buddha within yourself is really made of uh, mindfulness, concentration, and insight. So that is not uh, devotion. That is practice. That is practice. Even when you, when you bow to your teacher, or to uh, a brother or sister in the Dharma, you are really bowing to uh, uh, the Buddha in you. And if uh, while bowing like this, you don't touch your mindfulness, your concentration, and then you are not doing correctly. Because doing like this is not for the sake of being polite. That's not enough. Being polite is not enough. To give rise to the feeling of mindfulness, of insight, of respect in yourself, to touch the Buddha within yourself, that is your practice. And when you, when you light a stick of incense, and you, when you offer the incense on the altar, and if you, you do it uh, just for, for, for devotion, uh, for 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 the form, where you are losing your time. Because even devotion um, uh, should, be, should be made of, your, of, uh, of intelligence. And therefore, uh, the time when you strike a match, when you light the stick of incense, when you offer that uh, to the Buddha, uh, that time is to touch uh, the Buddhahood within yourself, uh, to cultivate your concentration, your mindfulness, that will lead to insight. In that way, you don't lose any of your time. The same is true when you uh, carry the water, you chop the wood, you, uh, uh, you wash the dishes, uh, you water the vegetable. You shouldn't do it like people in the world. In the world, they do it for a salary. You don't do it for a salary. You do it for your Buddhahood. And therefore, you have to learn to do these things in mindfulness. So uh, after bowing to uh, the altar, uh, you sit down and you tell yourself that now this is time for enjoyment of sitting. I just put myself here in the Sangha. It's like a bird in its position in the formation of bird. And then you allow the Sangha to transport you. You are on a flight. 
you fasten your seat belt. You feel comfortable. First of all, you have to make your sitting uh, <coughs> pleasant. You have to learn how to sit. A novice will not sit if uh, she does not uh, practice the gata. Sitting here is like sitting under the body tree in order to become a Buddha. While sitting, the novice should be uh, breathing in and out and uh, visualize like that according to the gata. So the in, on the appearance, you see a novice is sitting, but inside the novice there is something going on. Mindfulness of sitting. Sitting here is sitting like sitting under the Buddha tree like Buddha and become a Buddha. And then when you sit, sit upright, your spinal column very upright, but not rigid, very relaxed. And you allow your body to be there without forcing it. And then you, uh, you become aware of your breathing. You're breathing in and out in such a way to bring harmony into your, the whole of your body. And if you smile lightly, that is also for your total relaxation while sitting. You allow everything to, to be relaxed, to rest. This is not struggling. This is not a fight. This is an opportunity for you to, uh, to enjoy sitting, because sitting is one of the four positions of the body that we have to, 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 uh, to cultivate. Uh, of course, you have to select a kind of cushion and make your cushion uh, uh, comfortable so that you can sit at least uh, 20 or 30 minutes. And if uh, you have uh, the right cushion, uh, keep it. Don't let other uh, take it away. <laughs> put your name in it. That is why we have recently put uh, the name Tak on the seat so that uh, people will not exchange uh, uh, cushion like before. Uh, it's very helpful to, to, to keep the same, the, same, the same cushion. Um, although your spinal column is very straight, uh, forming with your, with your head a line, uh, you are totally relaxed. You let go of everything. And your breathing in and out is to, is to, is to uh, uh, harmonize, to harmonize uh, your body and your mind. You bring your mind back to your body. You bring your body back to your mind. And your breathing is a kind of uh, mediation. It is kind of a link between the two 
and breathing in and out like that a few times, you bring yourself to the perfect position of sitting. And you, now, you say, now this is time for me to enjoy my sitting. Because if you don't enjoy your sitting, mm, then other things will not be possible. At least we have to be able to enjoy our sitting. And you know that uh, this morning, we learned that the first jhana still has uh, uh, the thinking. So thinking is uh, admitted uh, uh, in the beginning. But you have to get the joy and the happiness. If there is no joy and happiness, and there is no concentration, it's not sitting. So if you sit uh, properly, you enter the first jhana. The first, uh, the first, uh, the first thiền, đệ nhất thiền, sơ thiền. And uh, we have learned that uh, joy comes from the fact that you can release, can release your worries, your um, uh, you know that this is a time when you should be free. If you carry your problems, your difficulties. Uh, with you, uh, your anger with you, uh, your question with you, and then enjoying sitting would not be possible. And the first thing that you have to do is to enjoy your sitting. Joy and happiness, born from abandonment and from concentration. And your breathing is there to help you concentrate. Concentrate firstly on your breath. Uh, breathing in, I feel calm. Breathing out, I smile. Breathing in, I feel relaxed. Breathing out, I feel happy, I feel free. The sitting is just sitting. It's like, a, like a drinking your tea. You have some time in order to drink your tea. Drink your tea in such a way that peace and joy and stability be possible. Sitting is the same. Sitting is an occasion for you, an opportunity for you. So don't, don't do it uh, uh, as a form. Try to profit for a sitting because people in our time, they don't have that luxury of sitting and doing nothing. So sitting two times a day is, uh, is uh, a treat. And therefore, um, try to enjoy, uh, learn to enjoy the sitting to be free. You don't have to do, do much as you feel that sitting brings you stability, brings you uh, peace, brings you enjoyment. Uh, that is already nourishing. And then the, the practice of looking deeply, uh, looking into the nature of impermanence, of uh, non-self, of nirvana will be uh, will be based on 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 that foundation in uh, uh, nourishment. So please uh, always inquire so that you become uh, uh, more and more of an artist. How to handle uh, the moments of your daily life? And if uh, if you are nourished. 
And if you feel uh, uh, better, uh, you can smile, you can be pleasant. You already have begun to, to, to be a positive um, element of the Sangha. And your contribution to the Sangha will be very precious. And there are other things you can enjoy doing, uh, like uh, inviting the bell, uh, chanting. All these things can be wonderful uh, if you know how to do it. And thanks to the Sangha and the brothers and sisters who have been there for a long time, we can learn a lot and enjoy a lot of these kind of things. We are not really caught in uh, rituals. I am free from rituals. But uh, these kind of uh, performance, uh, they bring up uh, something nice, something stable, something uh, peaceful, something uh, uh, solid in us. That is why uh, we keep it, not because uh, we, ask, we practice devotion. Suppose uh, we practice uh, listening to the bell. The sound of the bell is is not really something outside of us, something objective. It is our, our creation, the sound of the bell or the sound of the telephone or the sound of uh, the clock. We have invented it in order to help us to go back to ourselves, uh, to enjoy our breathing and smiling. So the sound of the clock that you hear, the sound of the telephone that you hear, the sound of the bell that you hear, that is a conventional um, designation. That is a collective uh, creation by us in order to help. So the statue of the Buddha, the bowing, the chanting, they are the same. They have been invented by us in order to help uh, nourish uh, uh, the spiritual life in us. We are not uh, um, practice uh, idolatry. We don't, we, we, we don't do things like that. We are not caught in, uh, in, uh, in rituals. So you have to practice with intelligence. Yeah. I will uh, uh, continue on, uh, on another occasion. <laughs>